for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, last Thursday seems like a long time ago, but we can't forget the Eagles' big road win at Lambeau. The Phillies' disappointing season finally ends at an even 500 with no further news coming out of Citizens Bank Park as of yet. The Flyers season opens Friday, and Sixers camp is underway. And we're going to cover all of those things tonight. Yeah, all of the teams making some news right now, Bill. Although, as you said, we're still waiting to hear whether the Phillies will be making any changes. I don't know if it's, you know, a sign that they're going to make changes because it's taking so long or a sign that they're not really making changes. But I think there's going to be some changes for sure. Well, let's let's start with the Phillies. Um, as I said, they finished 500. I think that makes them 15 games worse than I predicted. And in fourth place in the East, instead of running away and hiding from the rest of the East, like I thought, I didn't do too good on this one. I was a little closer. I predicted a 91-win season. They finished with, of course, 81. And the big question is, would they have gotten to 90-plus wins had they not lost Andrew McCutcheon and pitchers David Robertson, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Tommy Hunter, Pat Neshek to season-ending injuries? Is that something the top brass is thinking about right now as they decide whether management changes are warranted? I really don't know. Well, I think it certainly is. Um, and, I, I mean, you've, we've all heard all these stories going around. It's a Jewish holiday. It's all coming down to one man's decision. Clintac wants him. You know, it seems like everybody's uh, wanting news, and in reality there may not be any news. Maybe ain't nothing coming. Yeah, maybe. Uh, now, Jason Stark put out an interesting tweet today. He said, I'm hearing buzz that it is now possible there won't be an announcement on the fate of Gabe Kapler until next week, which I'm taking as a sign the Phillies understand they have more to decide right now than just the fate of the manager. So, kind of interesting. Well, it is, and uh, and they certainly do. And I guess if, if there is any pass to be had by Kapler, you know, that you only touched on a string of the injuries, there's a whole bunch more. Um, I mean, that's his lifeline, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they can say, hey, look, we lost all these, you know, guys to injuries. Don't you think we would have had at least eight or ten more wins had we had Andrew McCutcheon for more than a third of a season? David Robertson, who they were counting on to be at least a setup man, maybe even a closer eventually. You know, Sir Anthony, they thought was going to be there all year. Nishak, whether you love him or hate him, he was a big part of their bullpen. So they can fall back on that. I don't know that they will because I don't think that's going to sit well with the fans if they say, yeah, we're bringing everybody back. We just had a lot of injuries. Well, and and you're right because I think uh, there's certainly a lot of fan pressure to get rid of Kapler. Um, And and another guy you you miss in your list, and and taking for what he's worth, losing Odubel Herrera at the same time they lost Andrew McCutcheon, taking two-thirds of the outfield away. Uh, they struggled to fill those spots all season. Yeah, they did. I mean, Herrera was not having a great season, but still, he was a constant in center field. He was out there pretty much every night, and he gave you a lot of good games. He gave you some bonehead plays, too, and he didn't always hit. 
but he was the center fielder, and now we don't know who the center fielder is going to be next year. We're pretty sure it's not going to be Herrera. We don't know if McCutcheon can play there on a full-time basis, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens right there. And, you know, we talked about Reese Hoskins last week. That was the other big factor this year that maybe Kapler gets a pass on that, too. You know, it wasn't his fault that Reese Hoskins only hit 226 with 29 homers and 85 RBI when they thought he'd hit, you know, 250 with 35 to 40 homers and easily go over 100 RBI. So somebody's got to, I guess, look into that and figure out why Hoskins was what he was the second half of this year. But that's probably not going to fall on Kapler. No, uh, you know, and they, they did make the hitting coach move there in the middle of the, or late in the season, um, bringing Charlie Manuel in. It, al- it already appears that Charlie Manuel is out, uh, that he's done this little little event that he did. Uh, but I, I think the thing that is a little troubling to me, Chet, is you look at all, the, all of them, who got better? And, you know, the numbers in baseball, obviously the numbers are the numbers. That's what you go by. And who got better compared to last year? And I'm not sure that list is very long. I think it's Scott Kingry, and that's about it. I mean, of course, you know, we had the new additions, so they don't count. But as far as the holdover guys, did Franco get better? No. Um, did uh, Andrew Knapp get better? Certainly not. Cesar Hernandez, about the same. You know, he had his good moments. He had his bad moments. But other than Kingry, I'm going to say nobody got better. Nola had a worse year as far as the pitchers go. The rest of the pitching staff, up and down and up and down, just the way they were the previous couple of years. So, yeah, I'm going to say Scott Kingry is about the only guy who got better among the holdovers. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you, you mentioned Cesar. Uh, I'm not a huge Cesar fan, but he was pretty consistent all year. His 279, 71 RBIs and 14 home runs out of a second baseman, 171 hits led the team. Um, you know, other than Real Muto, because you can add his defense into how solid he was, Cesar might be your team MVP. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. They, they have a guy named Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto. Well, I, I said Realmuto's defense, but consistency-wise, Harper wasn't consistent. He he put it on in the second half and gained what he gained from what was he about two thirty-six maybe was his bottom out, and then yeah, he got then he, you know and he had a nice second half and he got it up to two sixty and the home runs and all that, but. Cesar never really had a bad time. And I, believe me, I'm not pushing for him to be an MVP, but I just think he played better than we expected him to play. And it sounds like he's one that uh, they would quickly want to put on the market so they could move Kingry to second. And whether it's Brom or whoever, um, Braun come over to third base. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and by the way, uh, for anybody expecting us to be talking hockey, we're going to do that very shortly. We have a great interview coming up with Sam Carcitti previewing the Flyers season, so stay tuned for that. But we have a few more things we've got to talk about the Phillies. Um, assuming they do make a managerial change, Bill, there's a lot of names out there, a lot of veteran managers that could potentially be of interest. So do you have any personal favorites? I mean, there's Joe Girardi, there's Madden, there's Buck Showalter, among others, maybe convince Mike, Mike Sosha to come out of retirement. Any particular names you'd like to see? Oh, geez. I mean, they're all, they're all quality guys who have all won at the big league level, but they're not, they're, I hate to say it, they're old guys. And the, and the reason Mike Sosha is not still managing the Angels is because he got into it with his new general manager who he didn't like how he uh, 
the general manager didn't like how Sosha handled the analytics and the data he was being given. Sosha was managing from his gut. That's how he learned, and that's how he coached. Um, I'm not sure you know, you wouldn't see the same with Showalter, Girardi, and, and right on down that line. So I'm not sure any of those four guys, although all great choices, any of them will be the guy if it happens. And, you know, Buck Showalter is only, only 62 or 63. I thought he was older than that, but he's not. He's only 62 or 63, and he's been managing, you know, for the better part of the last 27 years. So uh, he certainly has experience. Yeah, quality guys. And Brad Brad Osmus came available, too. Uh, he, he's bounced around a little bit, and he's even younger yet. Um, so there's guys out there, but there's there's openings, too. So, um, you know, the Phillies might not necessarily get the cream of the crop or, or their for, first choice, although there's a bunch of good ones. And even Clint Hurdle is out there. He's had, you know, a lot of bad teams in Pittsburgh, but uh, I think he's generally considered to be a good manager who just never really had a whole lot of talent to work with. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think, you know, the rest of the story is how deep does this cut go if they do make the cut? Is it just Kapler? Is it Kapler and Clintac, or does it keep on going? Um, Clintac, we, everything we know is he wants Kapler back. Uh, what kind of situation do you create there if management overrules Clintac? Yeah. Kapler's out. Then is Clintac, is he a lame duck? Yeah, John Middleton certainly has a lot on his mind this week. So I would expect we're going to hear something by early next week at the very, very latest because you can't let this thing drag on. So I'm going to say by next Monday we're going to have a definitive answer. I, uh, one more name I want to throw out. I know you haven't thought about this one, Chet, and I'm talking players. Where, oh, where is Roman Quinn? <laughs> yeah, you know, we we talked about the center field position if the guy could stay healthy, we would talk about him as a legitimate candidate to be the center fielder next year. But he has not had one full, healthy season yet, and I don't see that changing. He, he's just an accident waiting to happen, I think. Well, and he, you know, I think when he went on the disabled list or injured, whatever you call it, injured list, uh, we thought he would be back at some point. Shoot, he <laughs> yeah. ended up being gone. He ends up getting 44 games in this year and hits 213. Yeah. And, you know, that, that gets you – a job with the rest of us on Monday through Friday. Yeah. Needless to say, I don't think he's going to be their uh, penciled in center fielder for next year. He may be in the picture, but he's not going to be considered the gung ho center fielder on opening day. We know that. That's right. Well, we'll have plenty more Phillies to talk about as news breaks over the off season. Free agency is going to come. A lot of guys are going to come and go. Hopefully Remuto come uh, stays and, uh, We'll see what happens with the management uh, deal as well. So plenty more Phillies to talk about, but we're going to move on because we got a lot of other things to talk about. How's that? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yes, sir, Bill, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700, the number, and start planning for your retirement today. Again, the number, 610-430-0700. And you know, Bill, it was exactly 30 years ago today that Neil Young's album Freedom, featuring the song Rockin' in the Free World, was released. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Very nice. Well, hey, Chet, the Flyers open Friday in Prague under new head coach Elaine Vigneault. It's been a very interesting camp from a work standpoint, um, which was really interesting as far as some of the final roster moves turned out. Um, no Morgan Frost. He's out. Joel Farabee is out, at least for now. And in with a couple 21-year-olds, Connor Bonneman and Carson Twarinski, both make the opening day roster. Yeah, kind of surprising. Frost was a little banged up, so we knew that he was probably not going to make the opening roster. But Farabee had a very good camp by all accounts. He didn't really do anything on the scoreboard, but he had a lot of close calls, as Sam will allude to. And Coach uh, Vigneault seemed to indicate just last Thursday or Friday that Farabee would almost certainly make the team to start the season, but then we got the official announcement Tuesday that he would not. He'll be starting at Lehigh Valley. So I guess there was a last-minute change of plans. Well, I think they, they're juggling some cap things, uh, which is far more than we know know much about. Uh, that, that seems to be one thing. And the other thing that seems to be clear is the roster now is not the roster for long. Um, sounds like there's going to be some moves. Uh, Phil Myers didn't make this club. Uh, yeah. He looked like he would. He's got, he's got cap issues. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, uh, with with most Flyers fans, there's some cautious optimism, I think, about this season. So a lot of it, of course, based on the guy in goal, Carter Hart. There's also a good mix of veterans and youth on the team and a new head coach with a wealth of experience. Oh, I should mention we did this interview with uh, Sam Carcidi and I, which you're going to hear in just a second. Over the weekend, before the Flyers' exhibition loss in Switzerland, when Carter Hart did not have a great game, and before those final roster decisions were made. Uh, But are you ready for the interview, Bill? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, The interview with Sam having lots to say about Vigneault, Carter Hart, Claude Giroux, Ivan Provorov and company, and the Flyers' playoff prospects. We talked to this guy last October to preview the Flyers' season, a season that didn't go real well, but we'll hope for better results this time around. From Inquirer.com, Flyers beat writer Sam Carcidi. Hey, Sam. How you doing, Chet? Doing great, doing great. All right, Sam, a slew of changes since we last talked, a different GM, a new coach, some new faces on the ice, of course. Let's talk about the guy calling the shots on the bench, Elaine Vigneault. How is he different from Dave Haxtall personality-wise and philosophy-wise? Yeah, I think personality-wise, he has a presence about him. And I think when you're 12th in the NHL in history in wins, you know, you develop a presence. And he commands respect, and he demands his players go all out. And he will hold them accountable. Not that Haxtell didn't, but, you know, Haxtell didn't really have the pedigree. He never coached in the NHL, not even as an assistant. And, you know, I, I think there's a reason most coaches go through the steps, and they're, they're an assistant coach for a while, as Vigneault was, by the way, when he was 31 years old with uh, Ottawa. And then you pay your dues, and, and you know, Vigneault has done that. And, you know, he, he's a straight shooter, more of a straight shooter than Haxtell. And, you know, if a guy doesn't play well, he, he tells him about it and, and tells the media about it. Like the other day, he kind of challenged Phil Myers to be better. Yep. wasn't happy with his camp. And Myers turned around and played real well in a, uh, an exhibition loss to the Rangers in a shootout. So as far as the style of play, we're all still learning that. I think it's more of an attacking style, forechecking style. And I think he's going to lean heavily on defense. His teams have done that. And the Flyers believe that will be their identity this year. As you know, they, they acquired two veteran defensemen 
Diskinen and Braun in the offseason. Of course, Carter Hart is here now for the full season. The defense should be a lot better. They were 29th in the NHL last year. And, uh, you know, the, the, the bottom 10 teams uh, in goals allowed last year did not make the playoffs. and That's no coincidence. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're hoping they can turn it around and maybe get into the top 10 in defense this year with the additions they made and with Carter Hart for a year. And, uh, you know, with the forwards coming back and, you know, some of the forwards that have been a little lax on defense, guys like uh, Jake Borchek and Travis Konechny, James Van Riemsdyk, they're going to have to do their part as well. Now, Claude Giroux had a solid season last year. Not quite the numbers he put up the previous year, but pretty good. He's 31 years old now. What do you expect from Giroux this year? And will he be on a line with Konechny and Borchek, or will it be Couturier in the top line, or how's that going to look? Yeah, it looks right now like they'll start the season with uh, Giroux at left wing, with uh, Couturier in center, and probably Travis Konechny on the right. You know, he should have a solid season. He did not score as many power play points last year. And, uh, you know, they have to improve their special teams. Their penalty kill was in the bottom quarter of the league. And, you know, their power play struggled for big chunks of the season. So they have to get that going. But I, I think Giroux, you know, he, he's 31, as you mentioned. He'll be 32. as uh, He's slowing down maybe a little bit. But I think he, you know, is still going to have a solid 80-point season, something like that. And that line has real good chemistry with Konechny and uh, Couturier. They've played a lot of games together over the last two years. You mentioned Couturier. How has he become such an offensive force the last couple of seasons? Yeah, he actually, uh, in one of the best moves, I think, that Dave Haxball made, he, he moved him from like a third-line center, and Couturier went in there and talked to him and said he wanted more responsibility. They gave it to him, and they shifted uh, Giroud to left wing. And again, that was Haxball's doing, and you know, I think having a winger like Giroux with him has helped him, and he's got more responsibility on the top line, and uh, he's thrived on it to his credit. He had 33 goals last year, and, you know, if Nolan Patrick can ever get healthy, he's battling migraines, unfortunately, right now. I think Couture is, is you know, a, an example for him because, you know, he was known mostly as a defensive player and, you know, a guy who might score 15, 18 goals a year. But with the added responsibility, he's taken off. And and if it took him six, seven years to get to the elite level he's at now, I think he's one of the top 20 centers in the league. And, uh, you know, hopefully Nolan Patrick gets healthy and he'll follow the same pattern. Yep, Nolan Patrick getting healthy, that's the key. Now, some Flyers fans balked at the big money the team gave to newcomer Kevin Hayes. What does Hayes bring to the team? Hayes, to me, was uh, the Flyers' best player in the preseason, aside from Carter Hart. I'm talking about the skaters, the forwards and defensemen. He was tremendous. And when a guy's on another team, you only see him a few times a year, and you really don't get a a good look, and it's hard to evaluate them. But when you see them every day in practice and in games, you start to appreciate them. And he's a guy that can hold on to the puck for a long, long time. He's got long arms. He's got the long reach, and that will help his line mates get free. It'll buy some time as he holds onto the puck, and it'll help his line mates, whether it's Lindblom or JVR on one side and, and Voracek on the other, and give them time to get open, and he, he has good vision. He'll find them. Yeah, I think he's had it for a, a real big season, and you know he loves it here. He loves playing for AV, Vigneault. He played for him with the Rangers, of course, and he's also going to help their penalty kill. Their penalty kill really has not had a guy who was a threat to score shorthanded since Mike Richards, but uh, Hayes is one of those players, and I was really impressed with him. He's got good speed, just plays a really solid 200-foot game, good all-around player, 
He's going to help them immensely. And with Nolan Patrick out indefinitely, that looks like a tremendous pickup in the offseason. Yes, it was expensive, a little over $7 million a year. But, you know, Kevin Hayes is going to be a, a huge part of this hockey team. You mentioned the Flyers added a couple of defensemen. But uh, what about Ivan Provorov and Shane Gostisbehere? Are they going to have bounce-back seasons? That's a key. They really need that bounce-back season from those guys if they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, Provorov struggled last year with turnovers. His goal production went down from 17, which tied for the league high among defensemen two years ago, and he went from 17 to 7. Gossip Bears defense took a step backward last year after taking a step forward the previous year, and the puzzling thing with him is I, I thought he struggled on the power play. Their power play just never got in sync last year, and I think that starts with him. He's the guy that makes things go from the point, but should say his, uh, his defense really picked up in the preseason. Hopefully that'll carry over. But again, they need him to pick up things on the on the power play, and, and he, he has a great shot. We all saw it his rookie year. It seems like he has a good year and a bad year. That's been the pattern in his four years. Tremendous rookie year, down sophomore year. Tremendous third year, down fourth year. So this is his fifth year. So as you said, they need a bounce back year from him. And uh, I think Provorov, the fact that uh, his contract is now not hanging over his head, that should help him because, you know, he said it wasn't a distraction last year. But, you know, as Paul Holmgren said last year, you know, he had to be Superman for it not to affect you. So I think it was on his mind. He knew he was playing for a contract. Of course, he signed, sealed, and delivered now for six years. So he won't have that pressure hanging over his head. So I think uh, that should help his play. And playing with a veteran probably be paired with Niskanen. That should stabilize his game a little bit, too. All right, Sam, you already mentioned the young goalie twice. We both figured Carter Hart would be called up by midseason last year. He was, and by and large, he played very well. He's the guy now, and hopefully will be there for 10 or 12 years. He's still just 21 years old. What should Flyers fans expect from this young guy in his first full season with the Flyers? Well, I don't think they can expect him to duplicate what he did in the preseason. He was absolutely tremendous in the preseason. 0.44 goals against average in three appearances. 982 save percentage, stopped 56 of 57 shots. He's ready for the season. And I think you can expect big things from him. This kid is the real deal. You know, the Flyers, I think, have finally solved their long, long goaltending dilemma. Haven't really had a dominating goalie since Hextall's first time here. And you go back and you have Bernie Perron, Telly Lindbergh. And, but it seems like, you know, they've always been searching for a number one since Hextall's first time here, and I think they found a guy. This guy is 21, as you mentioned, but he plays like he's been in the league 10 years. He has so much composure out there. He's unflappable. He's got great athleticism, moves post to post, really studies his craft and takes it seriously. He's been going to a sports psychologist since he's 11. Wow. I think that's really helped him. It's helped him focus. It's helped him keep his mind on the task at hand. And uh, if you get there early to a game, you'll see him sitting in the seats, and he visualizes the game. He visualizes shots. He visualizes traffic in front, and that helps him. But uh, as I said, he's 21 going on 31, and uh, yeah, I think big things are ahead for Carter Hart. I can't wait to watch this guy. All right, full disclosure to our listeners, we're taping this chat several days before it actually is airing and prior to the final roster decisions. Now, Sam, I know Morgan Frost will start the season at Lehigh Valley, but 19-year-old Joel Farabee is still in the picture as we speak. What is the longer-term outlook for both Frost and Farabee? 
Yeah, they, they both were impressive in the preseason. Frost was bothered by a nagging groin injury. That probably prevented him from making the team. With Nolan Patrick out, there was an opening for the third-line center, but Scott Lawton played well in the preseason, and uh, even if Frost is healthy by the time they start the year, there's no sense in him playing on the fourth line and getting six, seven minutes a, a game. So Connor Bonneman will start as the fourth-line center. They're going to send Frost down to the Phantoms. His future is, is uh, very promising. Would not be surprised if he's here maybe two or three months into the season. And in best case, from a development standpoint, the Flyers would like him to play a lot down in the AHL. Chuck Fletcher, the general manager, is a big believer in that and taking steps. He has sort of the same philosophy as Ron Hextall when it comes to that. Joel Farabee, as you mentioned, he had more scoring chances was in the middle of more opportunities than anybody in the preseason. He didn't finish any, but a lot of that was bad luck. He hit about five or six posts, including two in the game against the Rangers. Goalies made just tremendous saves against him. He's got to learn to finish, but you know he is creating. He is getting chances. Chuck Fletcher said he's not adverse to sending guys back. He thinks there will be a fluid situation between Lehigh Valley and the Flyers and people may be going up and down for the first month or so of the season. But, you know, Farabee, I'm really impressed with his 200-foot game. Great four checker, good speed, sees the ice well, and just has great hockey IQ. And I think this kid's going to be a scorer, you know, a 25-goal scorer. Uh, I'm not saying this year, but down the road, you're, you're going to have a really good player. The Flyers made an excellent draft choice. He was the top freshman in the country last year for Boston University. And after watching him in the preseason, I can see why. Two final questions, Sam. Uh, first thing, will it depend on Hart or something else? Do the Flyers have enough talent now to get back to the playoffs this season? I think they're a bubble team. But with Carter Hart, I'm, I, I picked them to just sneak into the playoffs as the fourth-place team in the Metro and eighth place in the Eastern Conference. I think they'll just sneak in, but uh, they're by no means a guarantee. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of parity in the Eastern Conference, the entire NHL, really. I think Columbus will slip. I think Pittsburgh will slip a little bit, but I still think they're better than the Flyers. Washington is a team to beat in the division. It's interesting because New Jersey made a lot of strides in the offseason. The Flyers made strides. The Rangers made strides. So it's going to be tough, but the key you mentioned is Carter Hart. I think he gives them something that other teams don't have. Not that you want to put all the pressure on him. You know, the key, another key, of course, is staying healthy. They've already been hit with injuries. A big one to Nolan Patrick. But, you know, give Ron Hexel some credit. He's built some depth in the system. And I think, you know, if they do have injuries, they now have guys at the Phantoms that are knocking on the door. Uh, guys like German Rupsov, a, a center. Guys like uh, Nick Albee Cabell, a right winger. So they do have some depth and they have talent with the Phantoms, and I think that's going to help them as well. And they have Elaine Vigneault, too. And as I mentioned, he's been a winner. He's a 12th winningest coach in NHL history. He's coached with three NHL teams, and interestingly, all three made the playoffs and made uh, strong progress in his first year, including the Rangers, who got to the Stanley Cup final in his first year, and both the Canadians and the Vancouver Canucks got to the second round of the playoffs in his first year. So Vigneault gives the Flyers something they haven't had probably with Peter Lavalette, a guy who uh, is commanding, demanding, and he will hold them accountable. Final thing, Sam, when we talked last October, Gritty was a mere three weeks old. 
He just celebrated his first birthday, and he's really been a fan favorite. Did you think that Gritty would become this big a hit? I did not. I, I never saw it coming. Uh, you know, a lot of that, of course, was uh, somehow he got this national publicity. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel on this late-night show and that late-night show. My only hope is <laughs> by the end of the season that he is not the most popular person or thing or whatever you want to call him <laughs> in the Flyers organization because, you know, when I go cover games all around North America, one of the first things the other writers or fans will say to me, how's Gritty doing? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, they do not want that to be their identity, uh, much like the Phillies don't want the fanatic to be their identity. So, you know, hopefully Carter Hart and this defense will be their identity moving forward. Sam Carcitti, enjoy Prague. Always great to talk to you. Go Flyers. Thanks, Chad. Good talking to you. Hey, Chet, good stuff coming from Sam, as we expected. He's always on top of things. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of excited to see how this plays out with these young guys. I really want to see Morgan Frost get to the show. And uh, he he's a guy that can score goals, and they certainly yep. have needed that. Yeah, I think Frost will get there, and Farabee as well, as both you and Sam indicated. There's probably going to be lots of shifting back and forth over the first few months of the season. So we'll see those guys at some point but I really want to watch Carter Hart this year. I may even start watching hockey before January this time around, Bill. Well, you know, I was going to say to you, how does it feel to have somebody that's on the inside like that that says, you know, we finally got that guy? And and when you got to throw Bernie Perrant's name around, yeah. that, that was almost 50 years ago, Chet. <laughs> we're still looking for his replacement. I know. Can you believe that? But hopefully uh, Carter Hart is the real deal. I'm optimistic. All right. Well, hey, Chet. You know, everybody knows that you have three favorite things, Philly sports, music, and you like to indulge in a beverage or two. And I saw a couple <laughs> pictures where uh, you might have been out and about on the town again. Well, let's take a break to talk about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. And for those of you who keep tabs on my adventures via Facebook, you know that I was at the Irish Rover last Saturday for their annual Oktoberfest event. Hanging with my wife and a bunch of friends, enjoying some knockwurst, some soft pretzels with beer cheese, delicious, and of course, some great German beer. Awesome time had by all. Check out the Irish Rover when you have a chance. You won't be disappointed. And something new from the Rover. They now deliver within a five-mile radius of their great establishment in Langhorn. Order via their Facebook page or their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Yes, it is. And hey, Chet, speaking of good, Sixers camp is underway. Big news with Joel Embiid coming to camp much later. Ben Simmons saying all the right things about his jump shot. This is going to be a very different team, minus J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, though, when the season opens just three weeks from tonight against the Celtics. Yeah, it really is, and I'm pretty pumped about it. MB looks great. Ben actually said he will take shots when they're there. We'll see if he follows through on that. I like Josh Richardson a lot. Love the Al Horford edition. The team defense should be better. I can't wait. I think Tobias Harris will be a key, though. Uh, he's you know getting paid now, and let's see if he's ready to step up and be a real star with this team, but I'm excited about the Sixers. Three weeks from tonight, Bill. USA Today, I saw, had their power rankings for the NBA, and very interestingly, the Sixers are number three overall. The L.A. Clippers, number one. Milwaukee, number two. Then the Sixers at number three. Then it's six more teams from the West before we find another Eastern Conference team, the Boston Celtics, at number 10 in the NBA power rankings. So 
lot of people are very high on the 76ers this year. We'll see if they do indeed battle it out with the Bucks for Eastern Conference supremacy. Uh, Sixers start three weeks from tonight. They open against Boston on a Wednesday night. I think we're going to move our show that week to Tuesday the 22nd, but we'll talk about that later on. Sixers excitement. The Flyers starting over in Prague this Friday. We'll try to watch that game, I guess, on an afternoon. Friday afternoon, 2 p.m. our time is when the Flyers will play. The Eagles, of course, came up big in Lambeau Field last uh, Thursday night. Now they're off till Sunday when the lowly New York Jets come to town. Eagles have never lost the Jets ever, if I'm not mistaken. So hopefully that trend continues. We shall see. Real encouraging thing this past week was the fact that the Eagles realized they had a running game. Doug Peterson knew we had some running backs who could get some, you know, make some plays. He got some needed first downs and get in the end zone even. I'm talking about Jordan Howard in this case. Uh, For whatever reason, he had gone away from Howard for big chunks of the games in weeks one through three, but he stuck with him, and Howard delivered. Rookie Miles Sanders also had some nice runs, held onto the ball, and even had a huge punt return, one of the many turning points in the game, seeing uh, Sanders with that punt return. Bill, do we have you back with us? Let's find out. You do. I don't know what happened. I lost... I lost everything, and I was trying to call. I couldn't even call in on my phone, so I don't know what <laughs> happened there. Uh, something, something went went awry. I told, I told you you got to pay the utility bill down there in Florida, Bill. Well, the utility bill is paid. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I, I did hear you talking about the uh, the Eagles. Heard you talking about Jordan Howard, and uh, you know, uh, great to see the Eagles run the football. I don't know if you mentioned that, but it was great to see him run yeah. the ball. The offensive line did a great job in that game. Um, the defense came up with a couple big plays when they needed it. But, Chet, the biggest play of that game to me was Miles Sanders' kick return. Certainly yep. put a jolt of life into that team that was, was behind again in the first quarter. We can't keep having that. Yeah, the punt return was huge, but you hate to see them getting behind by 10 points almost every game. I think even the two games they won, they were behind by 10 points. So that's not a good way to get things done. You would like to get an early lead sometimes and coast, and maybe we'll see that this Sunday. But, yes, Sanders had the nice punt return. That was definitely a turning point. He also had a couple of nice runs. But as I was saying when you left us, I I was really impressed with how they used Jordan Howard and how he delivered, got into the end zone, what, two or three times, uh, got a couple of first downs. So that was good to see Doug change things up a bit. They, I think, actually had more yardage on the ground than they did from uh, Wentz passing. And uh, that was nice. It worked. It's what they had to do. They finally got a win on a Thursday out in Green Bay. Meanwhile, Doug Peterson, I think, is still perfect on Thursday. So that's good, too. Yeah. i tell you, Chet, uh, this whole defensive backfield situation is certainly not looking good, though, right now. They got They got some major issues, and I guess that – that leads us to the Jalen Ramsey thing. And if it were you, Chet, are you trading a couple draft picks, including a number one for Jalen Ramsey at this point? I would trade one number one and another player, or maybe a number one and a third-round pick, but I would not give up two first-round picks. This is what supposedly what Jacksonville wants. And somebody even said they turned down a, pick, uh, a possible trade from somebody offering two first-round picks. We don't know if that was the Eagles or somebody else, but – yeah, I wouldn't go two first-round picks, even though I know the Eagles are always, you know, down hopefully in the 20 to 32 range, so it's a lower first-round pick. I, I still wouldn't give up a couple of first-round picks because that's how you build your teams, and the Eagles do have some areas of weakness. I would not like to see them give up two first-round picks, but 
On the other hand, I'd like to see him get Ramsey. I just don't know that it's feasible. Well, you know, I'm I'm with you. I would give up one um, because you're probably not going to get a player of his quali- quality uh, down at the 25th and so draft pick. Uh, so that's probably a good deal. But it just I think it's that fringe stuff. It's the other stuff that goes into this. If you, it's fourth or fifth rounder. Maybe, and, and uh, I would certainly consider doing that, but I, you just can't give away too many draft picks. Yeah, they need some help, though, back in the secondary for sure. Now, I'm hearing Jalen Mills will be back for week seven, but this is only week five, so that means he won't be there for the next two weeks. Uh, Avante Maddox is still going to miss more time, so they're a little short back there for sure. I think Rasul Douglas has played better the last couple of weeks, which is good to see. But uh, they could definitely use another body. I know they had they brought Orlando Scandrick back, but I mean he's you know an older guy who hasn't really done a whole lot lately in his career anyway. And I think they have a couple of younger guys on the roster who we don't really know much about. Uh, yeah, Ramsey would be nice, or getting Mills back healthy uh, would be nice. But again, that's a couple of weeks away for Jalen Mills. Yeah. Well, let's jump back over to the offense because I tell you, I was surprised uh, when I saw the injury report today that. Deshaun Jackson is still out. I thought with this 10 days off, we would have Deshaun back, but uh, looks like he is still not going to play again this week. Yeah, now the good news is they play the Jets this week and probably won't need him. So, uh, you know, if it's iffy, I'm saying, yeah, keep him on the bench another week because you've got a big three-game road trip coming up. You've got, what, the Bills, Vikings, and Cowboys, not necessarily in that order. Uh, three potentially difficult road games. Let's get D-Jacks healthy for those three games and, uh, you know, take our chances with the Jets without Deshaun Jackson this weekend. Yeah, but, you know, any given Sunday, Chet, I, oh, I, I know. I'm not taking the Jets lightly. And, uh, I, shoot, that, that's the team that will end up knocking you off and getting you in all kinds of trouble. Hey, I, I did want to throw out to you, um, Nelson Aguilar, zero receptions uh, against Green Bay, obviously zero yards, zero receptions. Uh coincidence after a couple weeks of drops that he was not among Carson Wentz's uh, favorite targets? Yeah, I think it is a coincidence, actually. Um, You know, other than the two drops, the one killer drop the previous week, he didn't play badly at all. He made, what, eight catches in that one game. Um, I think it was just more of the fact that they didn't throw the ball quite as much, and Alshon Jeffrey was back healthy. So I think, you know, Jeffrey's becoming more of a favorite target of Wentz. So I think that was it. I think they're going to mix it up from week to week, I think, with receivers and running backs and, you know, different targets. So I'm going to say more of a coincidence. And speaking of Carson Wentz, by the way, I saw our buddy Brandon Lee Gowton posted out a full season uh, stats for Wentz as far as what he would get based on four games. You know, you multiply by four. He's on pace for 3,852 passing yards and 36 touchdowns and eight interceptions. I'd take that. I would take that, too, but uh, just keep in mind, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on this. Keep in <laughs> mind, uh, you and I actually did this with some guy named Reese Hoskins not that long ago, and that didn't work out so good. So let's let's just take it one game at a time and hope he has a big game against the Jets. Agreed. We'll revisit yeah, this topic. That, that's right. One other thing I did want to say to you, Chet, and since you're talking about Carson Wentz, and those numbers, all pretty impressive at, at right now. Boy, is he, is he a, I'll call him a lightning rod in this town. They lose, he's a bum. They win, you don't hear a whole lot about him. 
I don't feel like he's kind of he, he. I think he's having a pretty nice season, as you said. He he just isn't getting the love from a lot of people. I think that uh, I'm a little surprised at. Yeah, uh, I mean it's kind of like that with any quarterback in Philadelphia. I mean, going back to Jaws and Randall and Donovan, Vic. You know, you're the quarterback in a city that's sometimes a little overly critical. So it's to be expected. And I'm not surprised at all. I mean, they want this guy to throw 50 touchdowns with zero interceptions and never make an errant pass. And that's just not going to happen. It's just the way it is when you're the quarterback in a football-hungry town. Sometimes they expect a little too much, and they're overly critical when they don't get it quite the way they want it. Yeah. Well, and speaking of critical, uh, how about Dallas – getting knocked off by the New Orleans Saints and a backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, certainly caught me off guard. Dallas couldn't yeah, score. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. So uh, maybe the Cowboys aren't quite as good as a lot of people thought they were after their three wins over, you know, nobody's earlier in the season. Uh, we'll find out firsthand, I guess, in a couple of weeks when the Eagles and Cowboys meet up down in Big D. But, uh, yeah, that was nice to see. Even though I didn't pick that game correctly, uh, it certainly helped the Eagles, New Orleans beating the Cowboys. Uh, absolutely. Jeff, while we're waiting on Fred, uh, you know, he got to go to Lambeau this week uh, for that trip, and he told us about it last week. We wished him a good time, and it sure looked like he had a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, we saw some of the pictures of Fred, I guess, uh, like in the corner of the end zone somewhere with Fred and his buddies saying hello to Lane Johnson and Mike Quick, among others. I'm sure it was a lot of fun. I mean, you go on a, a trip to a place like Lambeau Field, and you know it's going to be a great time. You're, you're seeing a legendary field. You're seeing also, uh, you know, a pretty good Packers team, uh, the crazy Packers fans. I'm sure it was a great time. And then you see a great game on top of it, the main reason that you're there. Uh, Eagles coming from behind to win by a touchdown. So why don't we find out from Fred firsthand what it was all about. Fred Hugo, you are there. What's up, guys? Hey, Fred, we uh, we were talking about you while we were waiting on you. Before we get to Fred and Butter time and fantasy football and all those predictions we got to do, tell us about the trip to Green Bay and Lambeau, the pictures, tell a story. You know, I try to do one road trip a year, and that was the greatest trip I've ever been on. Uh, Lambeau had the nostalgia, everything you could think of walking in there. The people were great, um, and it was just one of the greatest experiences I've ever been a part of. You know, you walk in there, you have a good amount of Eagles fans, as we do every time. And the Eagles fans were loud. We had our 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 times, but that stadium was so loud. I've never been in a stadium like that, and it, it reminded me of the old vet because of the way it's like a coliseum almost. And uh, like we would make our do our we would do go birds go to rival their go pack go just to mess with them. And but when they wanted to turn it on and and do their chant, like we were drowned out. It, it was awesome. It was really cool. And obviously the Eagles won. That made it better. They ran the football, which I swear Doug saw my tweets and he finally ran the football <laughs> under center, under there center. But not even from shotgun. He was running it from under center. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're running Howard under center. <laughs> but uh... it was cool. They had the double tight end going. That was great. And then. At the end of the game, which was was even cooler, we we hung down at the at the bottom, 
And the um, one of the guys I was with, Anthony Ritz, happened to recognize the camera guy. And he's like, oh, do I know you? And he's like, oh, my God, Ace. And he shakes his hand. And then he goes, hang around. Lane Johnson's coming out. Because on oh, wow. Caddy Corner to us, Carson was getting interviewed um, with, like, 15 rows of Eagles fans. So we, we were going to walk down there. But he said, no, hang here. Mike Quick comes out, takes a selfie with us. And then Lane Johnson comes walking out. And I go to, like, hey, take a pic. And he's like, just give me your phone. And I'm like. Give me my phone. I'm like, this is, this is cool. So I get on the phone. He takes, uh, takes the first picture, and he actually looked at it, saw it, cut two people out, and took it, and made sure it was a good picture, and took it again. Like that's one of the, wow. the nicest things ever. You would think he would just want to keep it moving. So, it, it was a really great experience, and um, I'll, I'll never forget it. If you get a chance to go to Lambeau and watch, I, I, if you're an Eagles fan, I would say an Eagles game, but I guess any game, it's probably that, that type of atmosphere. It's on my bucket list, Fred. And with that, it's Fred and Butter Fantasy Football time. Fred, tell us about week five. Tell us what's going on and uh, who's the winners and losers this week. Week five. All right. I like at the quarterback starting this week, I like Deshaun Watson against the Falcons. Deshaun's been like every other week so far. The Falcons D is not like 23rd against the pass. So I'd, I'd go Watson if you have him. If you're going to sit a guy, I think the time has run short for Mr. Dak Prescott. They he played a good defense that was able to contain the run last week, and it showed showed what he could do. And Green Bay's ranked third against the pass. So um, I, I think uh, he won't have as good as weeks as he was having before. And if there's a quarterback you want to pick up off the waiver wire, go grab that Andy Dalton. He's been solid all year except for uh, for last week. For the first three weeks, he's he's doing good. He has a good matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. Moving over to running back, I like David Johnson against the Bengals. That defense is ranked 31st. If there's a running back I'm going to sit this week, it, it might be James Conner, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been underwhelming, not not the guy, not the, the guy he was last year. Um, he had okay. He had eight catches last week, but he's typically not that guy. So I'd sit him, and then running back on the waiver wire to pick up is Ronald Jones from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had 70 yards last week. He looks like he's moving into that number one spot, so you could bench him for a few weeks. And if he takes over as the one, you'll you'll have a solid one back. Um, wide receiver Julian Edelman against the Redskins. He gets solid targets every week, especially in PPR. Great matchup. I'd start him. I might sit Robert Woods. Um, he's been – some weeks he gets five or six points. Other weeks he, he blows up. And, like, last week I think he had, like, 30-some points. The Seahawks are ranked 10th. So, Woods might be a guy you sit. And a guy off the waiver wire that just got activated, he's probably the main veteran wide receiver over there on the New York Giants, is Golden Tate. He gets a lot of targets typically. Um, I'm, I would imagine Shermer's going to find a way to use him. Maybe not this week, but a guy that you definitely want to monitor and possibly pick up at tight end. George Kittle was ranked like top one or two, sometimes three going into the draft. He he's around 13 as far as tight ends go. I think this week will be the week that he, that he, his coming out party is against the Browns. So I'd start him. I'd sit Austin Hooper. He's been ranked third all year, but I think he slows down against the Texans this week. They're ranked uh, two against – or no, the Texans are ranked third against the tight end. Hooper's actually ranked two overall, all tight ends. And then a tight end you could probably pick up is Noah Fant uh, for the Broncos. He had his first touchdown of the season last year. He's a rookie. 
He may or may not. He's worth a stash to see what happens in coming weeks. And defensively, I would um, I would just attack that Redskins awful situation at quarterback, and I would start the Patriots defense this week. They're good on their own, but it's an even better matchup with the, playing the Redskins. And um, I'd probably sit the Cowboys defense because I can't see Aaron Rodgers not coming out <laughs> ready to rock after. Not that he didn't. He played well last week, but they're going to win. They're going to put up some points. So that's all I got for fantasy this week. All right. Let's get with our picks, Chad, and uh, how did we do this past week? Uh, we don't have to talk about what happened last week, Bill. Okay, Somebody didn't okay. pick the Eagles. <laughs> Fred went 2-1, and one, while you and I, Bill, were both a not-so-great 1-2. and two. Yeah, I didn't pick the Eagles. I also picked against the Saints in that Cowboys game. Uh, but, yeah, Fred was 2-1. and one. You and I, Bill, were 1-2. and two. You did pick the Eagles, though. Uh, so now Fred and I are both seven and five this season. Bill is six and six. We're all pretty mediocre, but it's a tight race at least. Ugh, did you wear your uh, Daniel out. Jones jersey? No, I did not <laughs> wear a Daniel Jones jersey, and I never will. Don't start, Fred. <laughs> all right, let's get to our week five picks. Uh, we've got Vikings at the Giants. The Vikings are minus five. Patriots at the Redskins. Patriots minus 15 and a half. Packers at the Cowboys, Dallas minus three and a half, interesting. And the Eagles host the Jets, Eagles minus 14. Fred, Vikings, Giants, who you like? Um, I, I think the Vikings right to ship this week. I'm, I'm going to take the Vikings here. They're on. They, they're favored by five. They're, they're definitely better than the Giants. I'm going Vikings. All right, despite my love affair with Daniel Jones, I'm picking <laughs> the Vikings as well. Minnesota wins this one at MetLife. I agree. Vikings in a sweep. Patriots at Redskins, I think that's a kind of a no-brainer. It would be a matter of whether they cover the 15-and-a-half, but I think we're all going to take the Patriots, we think. Yeah, enough said. Agreed. <laughs> all right, Packers at Cowboys. Dallas minus three-and-a-half, I, I think that's an interesting line. But, Fred, what do you think? Yeah, they are favored. They're at home. You know, they supposedly get three points for being at home. I'm, I'm taking the Packers all day here. Um Dallas is going to start to run into teams that are actually good now, and, and that'll even them out. I'm taking the Packers. I'm with Fred on this one. Uh, I'm maybe doing it partly with my heart instead of my head, but I want to see Dallas lose this one, and I think Green Bay is going to be a little ticked off after losing that game to the Eagles. They had uh, the extra couple of days off. Packers beat the Cowboys. Yeah, I think your key there might be having a couple of extra days off and getting healthy. Uh, both teams coming off losses, so, uh, you know, it's an important game for both of them. But I'm going to go Packers as well. I hate that we're all going to agree on these picks. Yeah, Eagles at the Jets. Eagles minus 14. Fred, obviously you like the birds. How much by? Um, I would think that they might be close to the spread. Probably right around two touchdowns. It'll be, right, it'll be close to there. So I'll say the Eagles win by two touchdowns. But, you know, our, our secondary is banged up. So, I mean, at any time they, they could hang there. And then throw on us, possibly. So you, you never know. I'm yeah. going with the Eagles. I even have a score written down: Eagles 31, Jets 13. So they even cover. How's that? Well, well, I'm going to go Eagles, kind of big too. But I'm going to call it a wash. I'm going to go 34-20, Eagles. So they will just make the 14. That's what just I win, got. Baby. So all four just of us win. are picking. All four of us are picking. Maybe we can get four wins and at least make it look like we know what we're doing. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Since we all pick, we all pick the same. 
Hey, Fred, before we well, let you go, let the listeners know how to follow you so they can get your updates and uh, follow what you're doing. Yep, catch me at fredandbutter.com, uh, Facebook, Fred Hugo, uh, on Twitter, at Fred Hugo underscore, and um, on Instagram, at Fred Hugo underscore, and I'll be posting where I'm at and what I'm doing that week, every week. All right. Thank well, Fred, you, Fred, thanks for joining us, and we will see you again next week. We'll do it again. Thanks, guys. Go Birds. See you, Fred. Go Birds. Hey, Chad, before we get to uh, talking about next week's guest, our Philly Press Box Radio shirts are available. We've been selling them. We actually had to reorder the green dry fits already because we sold them out that quick. Uh, tell us all about them. Yeah, great-looking green logo T-shirts. They are available for sale as per our ad on Facebook a week or so back. Uh, as with our red logo shirts last spring, they are available in regular material and dry fit, and they sell for 15 or $17, depending on which material you choose. A little more for 2XL or 3XL. Shipping is 7 bucks per shirt or $10 if you are buying two. And as you mentioned, we're actually sold out temporarily of the green XL dry fit, so we had to reorder some of those. See our ad on Facebook. I'm going to repost that ad in the next day or two and let us know how we can help you with one of these beautiful green logo Philly Press Box radio T-shirts. Yeah, and there's actually only two green dry fit left, period, any size. Wow. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they went quick, and but we ordered a couple dozen more. We'll, we'll be ready to roll. That's because you look so darn good in that picture with the green dry fit shirt, Bill. You, you should go into modeling. Well, that's the other guy, just the other guy. <laughs> hey, Chet, now for the guests. Who we got coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Next week, Bill, we'll talk Eagles with a former Eagle, former Philadelphia star, and currently the publisher of the Philly Man and Jersey Man magazines, making his annual visit. Ken Dunnick presumably will have a win over the Jets in the books, and we'll know, hopefully, what's going on with the Phillies and the Flyers season will have started. And as usual, we'll have lots to discuss. But again, Ken Dunnick joins us live next Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Mr. Tesco, parting shot for you. You know, Bill, while visiting with my dad and sister on Sunday, I was watching some football. Shocking, right? And I turn on the Bills game, and there's former Eagle Matt Barkley coming off the bench to play quarterback. Then the Bears Vikings game comes on, and a few minutes in, Mitch Trubisky gets hurt, and former Eagle Chase Daniel enters. Actually played well enough to get the Bears a win. Go figure. And it made me realize that backup quarterbacks can have a pretty good life. They're invisible much of the time, often get paid a pretty nice salary, and occasionally get a chance to shine. Sometimes they do shine, as tenure veteran Daniel did on Sunday. Oftentimes they don't. Barkley, who has sometimes, who has somehow rather, hung around for seven years, showed yet again why he is a backup. Of course, Nick Foles was a backup, who ended up leading the Eagles to that Super Bowl title two years ago. And, oh, a guy named Doug Peterson played 10 seasons in the NFL predominantly as a backup. wonder what ever happened to Doug. <laughs> yeah. I, last I saw well, not the last I saw him, but recently I saw him holding up with Lombardi. I, that's all I got for him. <laughs> yep. 
Hey, Chad, and speaking of former Eagles, uh, not quarterbacks, but uh, I read where that Jordan Hicks is leading the NFL in tackles as a middle linebacker really? for the Arizona Cardinals. Go figure. Interesting. I always like Jordan Hicks. I see him doing well. Good to hear. Good and stay healthy. Hey, Chip, just one thing I want to squeeze in on crap we missed. Uh, baseball Nets, they're coming to yep. Citizens Bank Park. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You in favor or not? Yep, on my list as well. Uh, netting at Citizens Bank Park going all the way to the foul pole, it's a good thing. You know, it's going to inconvenience some fans maybe, uh, lessen their chance to get a foul ball. Um, but you know what? It, it's all about safety of the fans, and it's a good thing. Yeah, I'm not necessarily in favor of it. But right. as I told you, one of my spring training experience down here where they have them. Yep. All right. Anything else, Mr. Chesco? Because we've reached the top of our hour. Two other things. Penn State crushed Maryland. What was it, 59 nothing? The Nittany Lions looked darn good. Maybe Maryland's not a great team, but, hey, we'll take that. Very nice. Uh, Penn State ranked number 11 in the country and moving on up, hopefully. And, Bill, your Super Bowl halftime headliners this year, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Hips don't lie. You excited about that? Uh, who would want to miss that? <laughs> Come on. J-Lo and Shakira. I'm excited. All right. So we've reached Wrap the top up. of our hour. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Sam Carcini and Fred Hugo. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 9th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds!